the gates and ready to go. Hot Mile with Hunter Withrow is underway. Sixth and Peabody, our location. The Hop here and Old Smoky Moonshine, the Friday edition has arrived. We made it to the end arrived. of the week, everyone. We made it to the end of the week. How about that? Championship weekend across college football. NFL Week 13 slate got off to a great start last night. Dallas coming back to defeat Seattle in a high-scoring game. When we opened a show saying that about the National Football League. I went League. Uh, so under often. based on the stats of all the previous games and that overhit by halftime. Jet, of all the championship games for, for college football, you've got your top 10 games of the week, which happen to be 10 championship games. We'll mm -hmm. rank those coming up later in the show. Perfect uh, for this list. Which game are you most anticipating? Uh, it's my number one game. Okay. Uh, and it's no huge surprise. Much like last week, Michigan-Ohio State was the easy number one. I think this week it's pretty clear-cut. Georgia-Bama, okay. SEC championship is yeah. what I'm most looking forward to. It still comes down to that. And then what happens based on that result? Yes. Yeah. I, now, uh, during, a lot of while that game is happening, I will be on TV across the state of Tennessee calling Decatur County-Riverside versus East Robertson. Uh, That's number two on I, your list. I think that that game is going to blow the ratings out of the water yeah. in the state of Tennessee over the SEC championship between Bama yeah. and Georgia. Uh, but I am recording the game and look forward to watching and, and recapping it uh, here on Monday. Big noon kickoff will games. be at, at a, set up at a game. And then what was it like FS2 will be at set up for pregame for you or something? Uh, yeah, I think we're going to have our own pregame. There you go. Yeah, we're just going to do it. We're going to do it. It's, it's, it's just going to be with the parents that are there in the parking lot. It's not actually going to be on any television or digital platform. Just there live for everyone. Yeah, but fair it's enough. Be great, a close circuit. Close circuit. Yeah. Uh, Trey Wallace will be in Atlanta for the SEC title game between Georgia and Bama. He's there already. He'll join us in 20 minutes. Preview that and all of the college football uh, games that are coming up tonight or throughout the day tomorrow. Michael Fabiano, our fantasy football guru. He does it all for Sports Illustrated. Uh, he joins us later this hour as well. Um, he wins. I need some help just based on all the injuries across and a lot of bye weeks uh, this week for uh, top fantasy rosters. We'll help you set yours coming up later this hour. Former Arkansas Razorback quarterback Clint Sterner joins us. A, a lot of movement with coaches, uh, not just head coaches. One of them uh, happening with Bobby Petrino returning to Arkansas as the offensive coordinator. And then, of course, we'll get the uh, former SEC QB's thoughts on the top championship games. Kelly in Vegas sets the lines for us in those. Plus, we mentioned Chad's got his top 10 championship games, and he'll rank those coming up. It's a big show. I feel like Trey Wallace is sort of a gonzo journalist from back in the day, like okay. Hunter S. Thompson. He really embeds himself in the town that he's in. Yeah. You follow him on social media. Does you he read his work the same out, way kick. that Well, Hunter he's just all in. Like, I, you know, he's, I get like uh, – he's right there when – Gene Smith is getting into it with a Michigan staffer. He's just inside of everything, the town that he's in. He really enters the city, when, is what I'm saying. When he's, he's got, on the road. He's got fan stuff going on. He's got yeah. photos of the city. He really gets all in there. When Trey's on the road. In, which I, we, I, I appreciate. I don't know Trey's middle name. We need to have the initial whenever he's on the road. Yeah, Trey B. Wallace. Trey B. Wallace. Or whatever. Yeah. Trey J. Wallace does sound Capital good. Capital J. Capital J. Capital. Our journalist with the Argonzo journalist with a capital J, Trey J. Wallace, <laughs> joining uh, us on location in Atlanta, where he has fully embedded and immersed himself into Southern football culture, and he's going to have all the reports. I love following him on social media. I, I love reading him at Outkick because he gets all up in there in the city that he's in, and I, I respect it. Yeah, man. Well. I, I can't wait to discuss the, the top storylines, not just from Georgia-Bama, but more. Again, that's, that's coming up soon. Uh, so 
Speaking of social media, by the way, I'm just going to take a photo well, of this right here as we talk. Okay. Because I haven't posted anything on social media now. so long. Well, I probably my, should do that. My reaction from what I've been reading on social media is, is where I'd like to jump off. Because uh, Deion Sanders is named Sports Person of the Year for Sports Illustrated. And while I don't get into all the titles and stuff, they're selling magazines and Dion sells. And I guess that's my overall point here. Uh, by the way, it's a great cover. Uh, if you still had the print magazine, you still pick up those. No one does. But this, this would be one that I would have as a, a kid growing up, Chad. I, I love the, the SIs of back in the day. This kind of reminds me of that, but the new school approach. And the new school approach is also to just find something to complain about or find a reason to disagree with another media outlet uh, just because they make him sports person of the year. Uh, I'm saying fans, uh, just those on social in general. In uh, what SI put out there, I was just reading through the responses. And a lot of it is, oh, it, go one and eight in conference and you're sports person of the year. Win four games and you can win this award from SI. And it, it, very cynical. Some of it's tongue in cheek. Most of it, though, was just disagreeing with the decision. And I'm thinking, name a coach who has put more eyeballs on a product for the caliber of a program that Colorado was last year to where they are right now in the overall talking point and emphasis of what was driving the sports discussion, what we were talking about at the sports bar, what you would call up your, your dad and talk about and what he was watching and, and where the highlights were on any given weekend night recapping a game. Colorado was there, and they had the major networks and the biggest programs for college football on campus for their game against Colorado State in September. That fast. And right out of the gates, they're beating TCU. Win-loss record will factor in for him moving forward. This year, I thought this was a no-brainer, and I don't understand why there's such pushback on why he is named Sports Person of the Year for Sports Illustrated. Because what he's done is drive more traffic and bring more to the product of overall college football than just the regional, hey, I'm an SEC fan, I'm going to follow this. Or the SEC is a, a, a national brand. Hey, it's the Pac-12. I'm actually going to pay attention to it. We weren't watching USC throughout the month of September. We watched the Trojans and the Heisman Trophy winner from last year in week zero because it's one of the few games on. And then we didn't really see them again until they played Colorado. And that's because of Deion Sanders. The new age met the old school approach. SI, for me, that cover looks old school. Deion has brought this brand that put him on the same shelf, not just from a marketing perspective, but from a, a recognizable product for on campus and off, he's right there with Saban and others as far as marketability and really just the traffic that was involved in it. Eyeballs and numbers are on the product. He's not going anywhere from that aspect. Maybe he goes somewhere else in a couple of years when Shadur's not there. But Chad, he won one game. He loses to Stanford. Gives up that big lead, whatever. And... I have no problem with this award. Very deserving based on what well, I expected. I don't look, I let's start big picture here. I think way too much emphasis and anger is placed on any media company or publication and what their editors choose as an award winner. Right. And, and yeah. this goes back to Caitlyn Jenner winning the ESPY, which was 
that that's kind of the point in time where everyone marks yeah. courage. It's like it was it was the courage award. Yeah, it's it's you know so courageous pre and post CJ Caitlyn Jenner on that with the SBs and and in many ways the way ESPN is viewed. It, it stopped being, oh, this is a really great story to highlight Arthur Ashe Courage Award to this is ESPN and now ESPN Disney placating to a certain ideology, right? The, 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 yeah. That's where the change happened. But I also will go back and say, who cares? Like It's the ESPYs, they can do what they want. I don't know that we should get up in arms about who they choose to win a, an award. I'll watch some of the prepackaged stuff from it if I like the recipient or I like what they're doing. And if not, I'm probably not going to check it out. I'm going to kind of piecemeal it and watch it that way. Sports Illustrated is trying to sell magazines, first and foremost, okay? So let's let's keep that in mind sure. when we talk about Deion Sanders winning this. And that's my overall now, point. I, I would not use the word deserving for Deion Sanders as okay. Sportsman of the Year. Right uh, of sports all sports person of of the year, sports person of the year. I don't know that he deserves it, given that it was a four and eight record in the end, and that's a half game more than their Vegas over under. Um, now they're trying to sell magazines, so I don't I don't really care if they want. It, so I'm not going to get outraged by it. But I just go back and look at past sports persons of the year. All right, in order. 2022, Steph Curry, NBA Finals MVP, fourth title in eight years. The year before that, Tom Brady, Super Bowl MVP, seven-time Super Bowl champion. Now, 2020 was a hodgepodge of a lot of different things. Right. Uh, LeBron James, Patrick Mahomes, Naomi Osaka, Brianna mm-hmm. Stewart, and um, the, the offensive lineman, uh, Duvernay Tardif, that, that was also doing work during COVID-19. Yep. So it was a lot of different things. 2019. Get ready to be triggered, everybody. Megan Rapino was the winner then, okay? Let's, let's skip past that. 2018 was the entire Golden State Warriors team uh, for their third title in four years. Then you had J.J. Watt and Jose Altuve, LeBron James in 2016, Serena Williams 2015, Madison Bumgarner, NLCS MVP, World Series MVP, World Series champion for the Giants then. Outside of 2020, every sports person of the year accomplish something great on their court, on their field, on their pitch in that year. So this is a bit of an outlier. Now, if we're saying sports salesperson of the year brought tons of attention to a sport, garnered national attention, had great quotes, did a lot of good things that brought attention, not just to Colorado, but college football early in the season where ratings went way down as the year went on with Colorado when they started losing. Sure. And overall, I'm fine with it because I know well, deep down what Sports Illustrated's trying to do is just sell magazines. But is he deserving? I don't think so. Uh, sports, the, the ratings went way down, but at nine, 9 o'clock on the West Coast, correct me, for, no, East Coast, 9 o'clock, game kicked off, the rating peaked at, what was the million rating that we discussed? Over 4 or 5 million on, at like 1 a.m. on the East Coast? whenever they were playing in like week three or week four, um, they're trying to sell magazines because Dion sells. And quite frankly, salesperson of the year is sports person of the year right now. There are, co- there are coaches who give good quotes, but they don't drive, they don't drive the audience the way he does. Um, you know, how many, how many Colorado games did we watch this year before we watched the Washington Huskies play? That, 
He's not just sports person of the year for SI, ESPN, Fox. The list goes on and on. For I mean, I mean a lot of people watched him. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Like I don't. But uh, I mean, it's either him or it's, Travis Kelsey. It's this how year. it's how you. That's view all we it. talked I, about. I'm just giving you the past winners, and everyone actually won something that did it outside of 2020. So it is a departure from what they're normally doing. 2011 was Mike Shashevsky and Pat Summit splitting the award. 2010 was Drew Brees winning a, a Super Bowl. 2009 was Derek Jeter, World, World Series champion. 2008 right. was Michael Phelps. I mean, it, this is one of those games where you play in school and say, spot the outlier but I, here. But I don't look at what Colorado's record is and say Dion lost. Dion won big in a massive way. Did he win as big as people who won titles? I mean, that, that's, well, what, I, that's where people are getting uh, outraged by. Again, I don't care. They can choose whoever they want for well, it. They pick the one who's the biggest salesperson okay. that didn't well, win on, on the court. But then I, I guess Stetson Bennett should have been the guy. If we're going to go to who well, won titles have to be in college. It doesn't have to be in college football. Well, I mean, there's, but I'm just going, I'm just staying in college football. Novak Djokovic uh, with the records he broke. I mean, there's plenty of individuals, too, you can point to and say, there's your sports person of the year. Um, I, I, look, I... But just as far as chatter and, 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 and what we're watching, though, for sports, I would define the college football season right now through Dion. We talked as much Dion Sanders in Colorado as we have talked about the Georgia Bulldogs going for a three-peat. More. I think it changed more. with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. And as the year went on, it, it became way more about that. But, yes, for the first month, it was the story. Absolutely. It went way down after that when they started losing. Way down. The interest in it. Um, again, is it about what most people talked about or watched or is it about what they accomplished? That's Sports Illustrated's decision. I, sure. I don't think people should be outraged by it one way or the other. That is their well, call to make. I'm just simply saying every other year they've picked someone outside of 2020 where that actually won something. Well, the, the other thing, too, um, the, the – where they're headed versus where they were. I'm not going to doubt. So here's the thing. What did, what did Sanders accomplish compared to what Hugh Freeze accomplished by turning over his roster through the portal at Auburn? Uh, it just compare the, the mentality and the approach and the attention to the product overall. And honestly, in many cases, the competitive games despite losing. I, I mean, if we're just going to compare, like, trying to flip it and try to, you know, win one year, I still point to the Buffaloes there. Oh, well, and, and then mean, on top of all of that, there's really no controversy around Deion Sanders, which is surprising to me as well. I, in, in practically every case, when I hear the guy talk, I think that's reasonable, and he's onto something, and I appreciate the lane that he's taking to a question that involves... What should they? What should he think about leaving the Pac-12? What should be going on with his thoughts on who should be fired, who shouldn't be fired? Uh, response to what is happening with Michigan compared to what his approach is, what the NCAA is doing uh, for uh, eligibility purposes, all of that. I mean, he was answering all of it, and he was accountable to the losses. I, and that was the other thing too. I was curious about how he would handle the loss versus how his team was reacting to wins. And I thought all of that was, if not perfect, close to it and spot on with 
compared to what I thought was going to happen. I don't know where they're headed right now because they are striking out left and right uh, in recruiting. And I don't get that because I thought that would be the one area where he would excel. And we'll see if this complete turnover for a second straight year is, is going to pay off this time where it didn't pay off this past year for, for Deion Sanders. The good news is he's got a son playing quarterback for him, and he's terrific. And he'll be at Colorado through that if they can If they can keep him upright, maybe they'll have a chance, but I'm not so sure I know exactly where Deion's headed from a win-loss standpoint at Colorado. Need to see a little bit more than what I saw this year. Chad, do you remember their opening slate for next year by chance? I we don't. went through it. I'm going to go look at it, though, because they're changing conferences, too, next year. We'll be watching it, because it'll be on Fox and either BSPN. Trey Wallace is in Atlanta. He's on with us next. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton with our rolls on across the Outkick Network. Chad, uh, Tate Rodemaker, Florida State quarterback, backup. Of course, in for Jordan Travis and the, the debate. I don't know if there was a debate, but the, the, the arguments being made both sides of you want the best team or the most deserving team in the college football playoff if you have the unbeaten ACC champ that could be left out. Right now, Florida State is fourth in those rankings. Uh, he is a game day decision for the ACC championship game because he took a hit to the head in the fourth quarter last week against Florida. And he while he's participated in practice throughout the week it has been in a limited fashion you can tie it into concussion protocol although they don't specify that in college and if he can't go Brock Glenn who came in for him I think attempted one pass last week um if he can't go I think he is from Savannah Tennessee is he really yeah the Brock Glenn that wouldn't be uh, he's a freshman and if you're already discussing the committee, and they're not supposed to do this, but I guess they certainly could based on their criteria, and it mixes and matches every single year and week to week, quite frankly. Um, most deserving versus projecting what a team will do. This even ties it even more to our discussion a week and a half ago of Cardell Jones, who was the third string at Ohio State that year when they got in. Um, but this would also strengthen the argument for the other side as well. And they're already currently fourth in those standings. What happens, hypothetically, if Oregon's going to win and then you have a Michigan and maybe, maybe Bama, Texas, and then you have a freshman quarterback going to the playoff. Again, this would still be Rotomaker going in because you have the layoff before the game but you still have that lasting impression if Florida State were to win. I don't think it's by blowout fashion, for instance, against Louisville, given the third-string freshman QB starting, Uh, if he does. I am more interested in how people pronounce Rotomaker or Rotomaker than I am all of these hypotheticals about what could happen this weekend and about the top four. And I put the poll question to our our YouTube audience to ask how they pronounce it. And most are saying Rotomaker. This name, Hutton, has a way with me that looking at it and saying it, regardless of how I I, I say it, regardless of how I say it, it sounds wrong. I say Rotomaker, that sounds wrong to me. Then I say Rotomaker, and it sounds wrong to me. Either way sounds incorrect. So I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, we'll leave it up to um, everybody's doing the ah uh, and the ah uh, and the front. The main thing to me is the first part of it. Uh, is it Ro or uh, Ra? Rotomaker, Rotomaker. I've heard it both ways. 
We're or, gonna. I, I'm gonna leave it up to our audience on YouTube. Let us we know. We don't need row rock. What you think? R O A D or R O D. I had a good buddy uh, named Andy Rotermill, rest in peace, good friend of mine growing up. And uh, uh, we know his father, Todd Rotermill, in fact, yes. uh, who works yep. here in Nashville. Yep. That was Andy Rotermill. And when I see Rotemaker, I think Rotemaker, the way you're pronouncing it, because I see that name. But his name was also R-O-A-D, like Rode, not and Rod, I, like Rotemaker. There's no that, A in there with that. Hutton, we could spend an entire show on this. You know, there I, could be this could be an hour-long show coming to Outkick at some point. Just you and me debating <laughs> on the pronunciation of names, and then just resourcing it out to our audience and finding out what they think about the pronunciation of the name. We need the pronunciation guide. Trey Wallace, we could easily say his name. Trey uh, joins us from Atlanta, SEC championship game coming up between. Georgia and Bama, and he's got you covered at Outkick.com on the road there. Trey, does Outkick have you at the Bates Motel there in Atlanta? What's going on What's with up, the Wi-Fi Trey? connection in your place there, bud? I, I think it's because there's probably uh, 1,200 people here in a big Delta convention. Uh, I think they're taking up all the Wi-Fi. Are you in it's, the? It's are you in whatever the hotel is? Every time I've been to an SC Championship, it's that hotel with like the huge rotunda in the middle where all the rooms face each other, and it's the giant circle. What hotel is that in downtown Atlanta? Do you know what I'm talking it's about? The Hyatt Regen- it's Thank the you. Hyatt Regency, and it's freaking me out, man. The elevators and, like, the high up. Um, I'm, I don't like it at all. Like, it's freaking me out when I walked in. I was like, okay, that's really high up. So That uh, is the spot yeah. to stay, though. Every SEC championship I've ever attended, I've stayed in that hotel or close by. So I know exactly what you're talking about. It's good to have you on, Trey. Uh, it's good. It's good to be on. Sorry about the Wi-Fi. I wish I could control that. I should have purchased the uh, the ten dollars extra for the uh, the one gigabyte that they probably give. It's all a scam. It is what it is. Trey, uh, where does where does Bama have to be better against Georgia to be able to pull the upset and win the SEC title game tomorrow? Yeah, I, I think it, it starts in the secondary, Jonathan. I, look. Jalen Milrow is, is kind of come into his own over the last five games. I think passing the football also when it comes to running the football, uh, I think that, you know, if he gets to that second level, you know, how's the, how's the Georgia secondary going to be able to control what Alabama is trying to do even on the perimeter. I think it comes down to, you know, can Alabama make the plays? Can Alabama spread the field out a little bit? I, I, I do think it's possible. And I think that's where Alabama can try to take advantage. The, the, the biggest concern I would have if there is a concern right now is Georgia linebackers getting after Milrow and making him uncomfortable. But I think, you know, and Alabama's in this spot right now and, and Nick Saban and they will will get it dialed up to where, look, they're going to test Georgia deep when a lot of teams this season have not had that ability, whether that be the pass rush, whether that be the rushing game, whether that be the linebackers, it doesn't matter. Alabama knows what they have to do, and to beat Georgia, they got to beat them down the field. You know, there, there's a, a line of thinking in this game that you know clearly Georgia going for three straight national championships, they are the team to beat, but they're not the team that's been tested this year. Alabama in games against Arkansas, Tennessee, A and M, Auburn. It's within six points midway through the fourth quarter of all of those games. Georgia didn't have a ton of those this year. Could that possibly be to an advantage for Jalen Milrow and Alabama having been in games where they're tested to that level where, Trey, we expect Alabama to test Georgia in this game in the fourth quarter? 
And isn't that the crazy part about it? You know, we we thought maybe one or two of these games Georgia would be tested, but they, you know, they beat up Kentucky starting in the second quarter. You know, we saw what happened with South Carolina earlier in the season. We saw what they did in Knoxville against Tennessee. And then you look on the other side with Alabama, you know, they're a good football team, but they have been, there have been times this year where they've been tested in the second half. Look at last week. I, I know it's Auburn and I get what the record was and I get them losing to State, but that game is just different. You know, I, I understand the win doesn't mean much, you know, but in terms of overall playoff seeding and whatnot besides winning. But I think overall, the way that we look at it right now, Chad, I, I think Alabama being tested the way that they were and being able to overcome that and Nick Saban discussing that numerous times here, I only think it helps the tide. Trey, uh, if Bama wins, are they getting in? If Georgia loses, are they out? That's the question. I mean, that, that's the big thing here is, 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 is what is the SEC? How are they going to argue it? You saw Greg Sankey uh, making comments uh, to Pat McAfee about this. You know, how could you keep the SEC out? Folks know what, it, what they're talking about when it comes to football. He's pretty much saying, look, if Alabama wins this football game, do not keep us out of the title game, uh, the playoffs. And I think when it comes down to it, I don't know if you can. Like, that, that's so hard for me to think about, guys. Even if Alabama wins this football game, you're going to keep the SEC out of the 14 playoffs? Like, find me, a, find me a better football team in college football right now. I think Alabama could hang with any of the top four at the moment. I think they could win against any of the top four at the moment. So when you get down to it, if they beat Georgia, you're telling me the SEC is going to still be on the outside because of Texas and potentially Oregon? It's pretty wild. Trey Wallace uh, joining us from Atlanta. Trey, uh, we will be reading your coverage and, and watching your work on social uh, there in Atlanta for the SEC title game. Uh, go get after it, man. And uh, we look forward to uh, catching up with you this weekend. Hey, guys, I appreciate you all. Have a good weekend. Sorry about the connection. Just blame it on our travel agent. Appreciate yeah, it. No problem. All Thanks, good, Trey. Um, to answer what Trey was just talking about with the SEC deal, I, I don't think the SEC is going to get left out, but the scenario is, is simple. Texas wins right. and wins convincingly, and then Alabama wins the SEC championship, and you're left with a decision with there's three undefeated teams – and then Alabama or Texas. And I'm sorry, SEC fans, but Texas deserves that spot. They went to Tuscaloosa and won. End of story. End of discussion. I, I'm, as, I, I'm, I'm as tried and true Southern SEC guy as it comes, but I think it's hilarious that everyone in the South just thinks it is a birthright that uh, there's no way you leave an SEC team out of this four-team play. Well, damn right there's a way. That's the way. You're left with a decision of one-loss teams in that. And then let's say Washington wins, Michigan wins, and Florida State wins, and Alabama beats Georgia. To me, then the decision comes down to it's Alabama or Texas. Both one loss, both won their conference, and guess what? Texas went to Alabama and won outright. That is Texas' in. You're saying Georgia's in in this scenario as well. No, I'm saying – They're falling to five. I'm saying – well, then you have a decision between Georgia also right. in that. But I'm putting Texas above them as a conference champion. Georgia and, didn't win their conference. Well, and, and I think the conference champion has to hold the weight yeah. this year. 
It has to. I think Georgia falls. I think Georgia falls out because in this here's scenario. the thing. Here's the thing, Chad. If we're just going to have that debate, Ohio State has to be in that debate too. But see, Ohio State did not win their conference. I, I still place I value in that. winning a conference championship. No, no, I, I'm so. saying if you don't value the SEC title game or the Big 12 championship yeah. game, if you're not going to weigh that as more as being the conference champion, Ohio State would also be in well, the mix, and they're they're right there. Sure, based on I, where I, they're ranked. Again, I, I'm looking more, and, and these and games are going to go deserving. away. These conference championship games will eventually go away, and we won't be talking about it with a 12-team playoff. But right now, they matter. That They're happening, and they're for a conference championship. So if I'm just weighing everything I, that happened, I am going I want them to. undefeated conference champion Power 5 is in. Yes. Undefeated conference champion Power 5 is in. Undefeated conference champion Power 5 is in. Then I sift through the other conference champions, and I see Texas versus Alabama mm-hmm. in this scenario we're talking about. And Texas gets the spot. Plain and simple to me. And, and, I, and I don't think that's – I don't. first off, I don't think it's going to break out all that way. Something else is going to happen here. And craziness. I think the SEC will get in. And look, I think Alabama and Georgia are, are probably two of the best teams in the country and certainly two of the four. But this is what I constantly fall back on. And we – I know Kirk Herbstreet argued this. I'm tired of blowouts in the semifinals. I don't care what's happened. Let's just give us the best four teams regardless. I, I don't – care what the committee tells me is going to happen or a projection tell me what's happened show me the season the resume for these teams and put the best four seasons and resume that this is where most deserving matters give me the most deserving teams in that four-team playoff that's how sports operate sports do not operate on projections we watch and we love it because it is unpredictable but they but but they did last year we saw it happen to Hendon Hooker when he went down. And I hate it. But that but we saw them and rank it's also them there hilarious. based on projections. It's also hilarious to me to see once again, you know, Alabama fans are saying, well, head to head shouldn't matter in this case. Because that was the case a year ago with Hendon Hooker, because Alabama was ranked ahead of Tennessee in that rating. Didn't right. matter for a, a playoff spot, but they were ranked ahead of them and you had Tennessee fans it saying matter for the bowl game. They though. won head to head. I I it I'm, did. I'm staying consistent here. Head-to-head should matter. Conference championship should matter. And give me the best four resumes and not what you think is going to happen. Sports are unpredictable. I don't care what the committee thinks about who are the best teams right now or who should be the best four teams going forward. Hutton, you and I can do that right now. It's Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, and Michigan. Those are the best four teams. In my mind, from what I've seen and the way these teams are playing down the stretch – those are the best four teams in college football. It'd be a hell of a playoff. But that's not how sports should operate. It is a meritocracy, and your merit is based on what you've done and accomplished. So I need to see the resumes, and I see what you've done. Not about me. It's about the teams and what they've accomplished. Give me the four best resumes. It's also not if you lose, how you lose. And Texas ran away with that game when they played. Yeah, it wasn't particularly close. Well, I mean, it was, they, they won in the trenches. Now, right after that, you have Bama go to the non-power five. They play in Tampa, uh, but it was their their home game, and that's where they play. The, you know, they've I'm watching that going, man, what is going on with Bama? You know, they, they, this has been a trend with the penalties and the uh, just the different mistakes, 12 men on the field, all that. And then they flipped it. And... If it's a tight game for Texas and a blowout win over Georgia. Well, Again, it's all hypothetical. It's also 
we can talk more about this later. It's, Big picture, what's best for college football? SEC left out. I can tell you why. That's the controversy you need. You need America screaming for once it's not the SEC. And four other teams get to participate, and it's going to be a non-SEC champion. Are you cool with the Wolverines being the I champion? I think that's best for the sport moving forward. Because Michigan's going to be the heavy favorite if the SEC's not in it. Well, the controversy's good, too. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Friday edition is here. Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow across the Outkick Network. Chad, uh, please tell me you started Dak Prescott last night. Oh, yeah. Okay. I did. Uh, I did indeed. I did not start Jordan Love. That was my other option. I just, I, I I, I just recall you asking our, our, our Michael Fabiano, our next guest. Uh, I didn't blink this with, week on that one. There you go. Yeah, I did not there blink. Go. Even Thursday nights where we normally see uh, some lackluster offense. We finally got some offense in a primetime slot, and it was a fun game last night. Michael Fabiano joins us, uh, fantasy football expert, all thing guru for uh, your fantasy rosters each Friday with us and, of course, with SI. Good to see you, Michael. Hope things are well, man. Yeah, man, everything's good. Uh, what was it, about a week ago today? We were uh, eating turkey, <laughs> yeah. had a little trip to fan uh, nap going on right now, and uh, now we're back at it. And, yeah, we had a great game last night. Uh, it was it was tough as a Cowboys fan to watch that game, but yeah, I know. the folks pulled it out. And I, I got a buddy of mine who is a producer on my SiriusXM show. He started, it's a super flex league, Dak Prescott, Geno Smith, wow. DK Metcalf, and C.D. Lamb. <laughs> Four players, he had 143 points. That's the way to start a fantasy football week. Uh, that is a decent start. How many? How many teams are? How many? How many players in this? Because you, if you have the super flex, I mean, they're you're down to inactives. It's and that's why he had to start Gino. Gino's been bad this year. Like last night was Gino 2022. Most of this season yeah. has been bad. Gino. He had really had only two good games before last night. So was a bit of a surprise, especially against the Cowboys. The defense didn't play all that well, but um, they hunkered down when they needed to, and the Cowboys pulled out a win now. And I, again, I'm a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. So Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, next four games, we're going to find out what the Cowboys are made of. So uh, playoffs, I mean, six weeks in the NFL is an eternity. And we got a ways to go before we see the, the playoff field. But are there, uh, just for fantasy football purposes, playoffs are about to begin, uh, at least in the 16-team league Chad and I are in. Uh, we're about to hit that coming up. Are there players that are close to returning to injury or could return to the, to the roster that you would consider stashing away right now where they're just sitting out there as free agents? The one name would probably be Dallas Goddard. And I don't know if people dropped him or not, but if you're in a league where you don't have an injury designation spot, for players who are out, people may have cut him uh, because he was expected to miss several weeks. And I actually grabbed him in a few leagues where I saw people drop him because tight end is so paper thin. I'll wait. I'm fine with it. Uh, if I don't have another really good tight end on my roster, and a lot of people do not have that. So Dallas Goddard is the the, the players whose names come to mind. You know, we've got other injuries, but the people that I'm thinking of are probably not on the waiver wire. The waiver wire is really thin. Yes, it is right now, guys. I mean, it is paper thin. Should I keep Jonathan Taylor on my roster or use that roster spot somewhere else? No, I keep them. They're saying two to three weeks. So you're saying your playoffs start. Most playoffs don't start until uh, week 15 and it goes 15 through 17. Yeah, we're in 14, I think. But yes, it's it's coming up. And it, it, I'm just curious if he's worthy of trying to I'd play wait. it out. 
I'd wait on him because I mean, if you drop him, he's going to get picked up by somebody else. And what happens if it's on the short end of that? He misses this week. He misses week 14. He's back in week 15. Uh, somebody else could be playing Jonathan Taylor against you. I'd hold on to him. Chad, he's got a couple of names in his uh, starts this week, uh, Michael does, that we've seen frequently uh, week to week with his uh, starting five. Uh, start them and sit them. All right, Michael. Starting with someone, by the way, who was playing at this time last week on a Friday. Oh, that's right. <laughs> on, on, on the list. That's right. Tying, tying back to what we were all doing last week at this time, this guy was playing. And it, and it wasn't very good either. It was Tua Tungvaloa. Uh, seven points. I had uh, maybe almost eight in some leagues. Uh, two of his last three games have not been great. But, I mean, this is the Commanders. They stink. <laughs> I, the Commanders have given up over 20 points to Tommy DeVito. Had to do it. I'm Italian. And uh, <laughs> and Tyrod Taylor. I, the, Tua, I'm telling you, the Dolphins may put up 50 on the Commanders. And Tua should put up at least 20 against this defense because they're garbage. Uh, so, Tua is in my uh, starts this week. Isaiah Pacheco, who I told people to play last week, really good performance. And now he's got Green Bay. That's a positive matchup for Pacheco. Uh, Najee Harris. And Najee Harris has been much better the last month or so. Had a good game last week. I think you can play Jalen Warren and Najee against the Cardinals. They've given up over 31 points per game to running backs in the last month. So they are primed to get picked by those backs. Uh, Brandon Ayuk and what should be a high scoring game and maybe the game of the year uh, against the 49ers or the 49ers against the Philadelphia Eagles. The, the Eagles are really bad against perimeter receivers. So Debo Samuel and Ayuk should eat. And then Michael Pittman Jr., who I feel like I have on this list every week because he's just been so darn consistent. He did not put up a good stat line earlier this season against the Titans. He only had 10 points. Uh, I am keeping him in my lineups. Their defense has given up the third most points to perimeter receivers over the last four weeks. So keep Michael Pittman Jr. in your lineup. And by the way, Zach Moss, if somebody cut him, he's got to be long gone by now in all competitive leagues. That guy's a virtual must start. The last time he played against Tennessee, he had a big game. As far as your your sits this week, um, a, a quarterback that hasn't been turning the football over, they've won the last two in Green Bay. Jordan Love's been better, but you're not starting him this week. He's right outside of my top 12. And, and that's because, I mean, listen, look at the quarterbacks who are going to, Joe Flacco is going to start this week. I mean, the guy has been on the, the couch eating Doritos for the last 12 weeks. Uh, but Jordan Love against the Chiefs, they're giving up 12 and a half points per game to quarterbacks. It's not a great matchup. So you were certainly correct to start Dak over Jordan Love this week. James Conner, I love the revenge game narrative against Pittsburgh and all that. I'm totally down for that kind of thing. But, I mean, Connors played 29 snaps last week. He hasn't scored double digits since week three. That's a problem. Uh, James Connors not getting the job done. And these players, you probably got to play them. They're six teams off. But beware, temper expectations, and maybe avoid them in DFS. Jerome Ford, he has scored 11.9 points, like, on the dot, I think, in, like, three straight weeks. It's very strange. So you're probably going to flex them, but the matchup's not great this week against the Rams. They've given up five total touchdowns uh, to running backs this year. And speaking of the Rams, Puka Nakua, like what? I mean, for that matter, Cooper Cup, like what the heck's going on there in Los Angeles? Suddenly our stud wide receivers can't get the job done. They've got the Browns this week. Fewest points allowed to perimeter receivers. It's a really bad matchup for Puka Nakua. I'm in a league where I got to play him. I don't like it. And boy, Cooper Cup, you want to talk about a guy who went from putting up elite numbers. In the two games when he came back from the injury list, or injured list, 
He was phenomenal. Guy hasn't missed a beat. Since then, single digits every single game. And then finally, Drake London, who had a really good game last week from a fantasy perspective. This week, he's got the Jets. They have allowed the fewest points to perimeter receivers and no touchdowns to receivers who begin their routes out wide. So Drake London is a risk this week. But in that game, Bijan Robinson looks like he is becoming the player we drafted in the first round. His last two games, the usage is up. The snaps are up. The points are up. He should dominate the Jets. And for those people who were bummed out that they drafted Bijan after the first half of the season, his schedule is cake the rest of the way. He's going to lead you to a championship. Uh, of the defenses that have been just plug and play throughout the week or throughout uh, week to week, is there one matchup wise where the, the Browns, Cowboys, they're always going to stay on the roster, right? Uh, is, is there a defense yeah. that's normally just out there weekly that you love matchup wise this week? Buccaneers against the, the Panthers quarterback situation with Bryce Young. It, it's It's been bad. And I don't really give the kid all the blame in the world. The offensive line's not great. They have no weapons. Their top two tight ends are hurt this week. Not that they're great, but he has no weapons at all uh, in that passing game outside of, you know, maybe Adam Thielen. He's even been struggling lately. So, you know, the Buccaneers are a good play this week. I, I just mentioned Atlanta. They're a good play against Tim Boyle and the Jets. On the flip side, the Jets are a good play against Atlanta and Desmond Ritter. Uh, Miami's a great play. Miami's been a really good play the last few weeks. They probably aren't going to be out there on the waiver wire. Uh, they've got the commanders who give up a lot of sacks. but. For me, if you're looking for that streamer this week, the top two are probably Tampa uh, and Atlanta. So I've got a personal dilemma here with my flex position uh, this week. DeAndre Hopkins at home against the Colts mm -hmm. or Devin Achan, who is listed as questionable right now. They both on my projections are both projected the same amount of points this week. Who are you going with? Achan, I believe, is going to play because, well, Mike McDaniel said so much today uh, at his presser. I don't trust New Hopkins. I, I don't. And the last time he played the Colts, he had a really good game. I think he had 22 points. It's a good matchup. As long as there's no reports about A-Chan being any kind of snap count or anything like that, the commander's defense is awful. So here's, here's what I would tell you. If your opponent is significantly better than you and you need to play the high ceiling play, I'd go A-Chan. If you want to play it safe, and avoid potentially A-Chan pulling up lame and having an issue like he did a couple of weeks ago, I'd play New Hopkins. You always got to look at your opponents. And that also gives you an idea of maybe when you're struggling between two players, okay, I should kill this team. I'm going to play it safe. I'll play Hopkins. Or this team's got a lot of studs this week, and maybe I have players on by. I need a high ceiling play. I'm going to go with A-Chan. But for me, on the surface, uh, I'm going with Devin Achan. See, now you got me thinking. So here's another scenario I could go with. I could play Achan over Joe Mixon or Rashad White and play Nuke Hopkins in the flex position. Are you moving Achan in for either one of those guys? I don't love Joe Mixon this week. I'm No, I, I'm, I'm definitely playing Rashad White's playing Carolina. I mean, that's, that's a great matchup. Joe Mixon scored eight points in the first game without Joe Burrow. The Jaguars have given up the fewest rushing yards to running backs. The way that running backs have beaten Jacksonville is as pass catchers. And I mean, Joe Mixon's a good pass catcher. He's not Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey, but he's good. But it seems like that's going to be the only way that Mixon has a really good game. So based on the grouping that you just gave me, I would not be opposed to benching Joe Mixon. And it, I think nine backups started I've games. Done it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> done it. 
nine backups started games at quarterback last week. Um, you know, is it Jamar Chase? Is it someone else that has really dropped based on the fact that the starters are not in there right now? He certainly has. I mean, he had 12 points last week. I, I need more than that. I mean, he was my second overall pick in a lot yeah. of drafts. I'm going to be kicking myself all offseason if, if I lose championships or playoff berths because I went with Chase over McCaffrey. And I know, who knew that Joe Burrow was going to get hurt, but I drafted Jamar Chase ahead of Christian McCaffrey everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, unfortunately, to my detriment in some leagues, I'm still doing well, but now I've got Jake Browning throwing the ball to Jamar Chase. T. Higgins looks like he could be back this week. Uh, the matchup actually is not awful this week against the Jaguars, but it's certainly Chase. Amari Cooper's taking a big hit without uh, Deshaun Watson. And uh, as I mentioned, Joe Flacco is going to start this week, it looks like, for the Browns. And I am actually kind of looking forward to that as someone who has Amari Cooper because he's done nothing with Dorian Thompson Robinson under center. Oh, man, I, I, you know one of the, the league I'm in where my two starters got hurt back-to-back, -back, and now I'm down to Derek Carr or I, it's uh, – let's see. It, it was Dorian Thompson Robinson, and he's gone. So I may have mm -hmm. to pick up Flacco as a backup just to just in case. I don't like any of these QBs. It's crazy. I, yeah, I don't I mean, even like Derek Carr right now. I, I, you have no reason to. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't been and very I, I should, but I don't. Yeah, I know. And and uh, the Saints are all banged up too. Chris Olave practiced this week, but he's still in the concussion protocol. Uh, Rashid Shahid didn't practice all week. Like Michael Thomas is already on injured reserve. Like they have no wide receivers. They're gonna have to call Joe Horn for crying out loud or Devery Henderson. Uh, because they've got nothing. Uh, that's why I love Taysom Hill this week, and I really like Juwan Johnson uh, if you need to start a tight end. Because the Saints wide receivers, unless Olave can miraculously come back a week after being in the concussion protocol, yeah. which that typically does not happen, like you're looking at A.T. Perry and maybe like Lynn Bowden. It's not going to be good for the Saints. Yeah, or me. Uh, always great for Michael <laughs> also Fabiano. Not good for the Saints, always great the for uh, the league season uh, winning. A high hit rate, and that's why we love uh, having you on. With uh, Very thankful for your time each week, Michael. We appreciate it, man. All right, guys. Good luck this weekend. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Michael. Uh, if, again, if I were in a league with Michael Fabian, do you think I would tell him good luck? If he said, hey, guys, good luck this week, like, same to you, and then he's thinking, don't need it. Well, he says it more in a way like, good luck. Yeah. Good luck, guys. Yeah, you guys are screwed. Not going to be much fun for you this week. <laughs> Hope you enjoy it. We have uh, plenty coming up. Clint Sterner will join us in hour number two. Kelly in Vegas as well. But, well, there's an example of why the NBA regular season doesn't really matter for significance. Their top star is going to show us why. A straight ahead on Hot Mike.